hellhole. You could be in the deepest, darkest hellhole and you can completely reverse it in this lifetime and you can actually do it in not that long. Born in 92 on the block with the sharks Come from a different cloth, y'all would get ripped apart You want a diamond, then you gotta get it in the dark We dropping nuggets like Carmelo went to Rucker Park Now we eating from state to state, we scraped the plate I put my eggs in a basket, took a leap of faith I took a chance, now we growing, see the impact Decoding success with special guests, now let's bring Matt Welcome to episode number 280 of the top 1% globally ranked podcast, Decoding Success. You're rocking with your host, Matt Labrie. And first, I just want to give you some insight into what we are diving in today. We can sum it up in a rather short sentence. Some might argue it's cliche, but I think this is a perfect reminder for many. Change is possible. It might be hard to hear or believe when you're in the worst of times. When you feel like you're in the mud, the gutter, in the valleys, and so far away from the peaks that we want to be at, but I just want to remind you, it's possible. Every storm is weathered. Every storm has to pass. And on the flip side of that, the good times too have to pass. As is life, my friends. And to illustrate this, through his own story, One in Wunch brings us through the depths of darkness. We're joined by my friend Joshua Mason. Before introducing Joshua, I want to shine a light on the work that you are doing simply by showing up here today. You could be doing anything else in the world. You could be watching Netflix. You could be listening to music. You could be twiddling your thumbs. You could be doing what I do and play chess all the time on your phone. But no, you are here to create lasting change in your life. There's numerous steps without a doubt, but it all starts with awareness. And I think you showing up for yourself today by diving into the show is a beautiful indication of you wanting to level up in whatever area that may be. So kudos to you. On that note, Joshua was plagued with a mysterious physical and mental illness in 2013, and it lasted for years. Panic attacks, tormented thoughts, anxiety, inflammation, a constant fight or flight. Now, Joshua tried everything from medication to float tanks to acupuncture, enemas, and anything in between seeking a solution as many of us would. Today, you're going to hear the story of how Joshua went from a world champion fighter to years of battling with his mind and body to now revolutionizing his community and beyond. We're diving into so much here. A slew of areas that all revolve around the valleys of life, having anger, toward the greater power for putting us through these quote-unquote battles, how new age living and daily toxins are impacting our greatness, the battle of mental, spiritual, and physical well-being, finding balance between new age living and primal ways, and so much more. I'm going to remind you quickly that there is someone in your life right now, today, that's battling at the moment. Maybe you don't know it because so many of us fight silent battles, but simply by sharing this, whether it be on your Instagram story, your Twitter feed, your group text, or simply word of mouth, you now have the ability to help them realize they are not alone. You have the ability to make an impact and be the light they need to see. Just think about how many people need to see that light when they're in those dark times. So tap into this episode and share this episode with the people that are around you. And now without further ado, we bring to you our friend, Joshua Mason. Joshua, welcome to Decoding Success, brother. Really excited to have you here. As mentioned, thank you for what you're doing in this world, what you're putting out there. Really excited to see where this conversation goes, man. So many different ways that we can go about this, but welcome to the show. Thank you for having me, Matt. Absolutely. First question, first and foremost, I kind of already asked you this, but for the sake of it, how are you? What's going on in the life of Joshua? I'm doing amazing. I literally feel like I keep getting better and better, like healthier, happier, clearer. Every arena of my life keeps getting better and, and it takes a lot of work to do that, right? And from where I 
have originally come from after the illness that I've been through, it's a miracle. You know, it's really a miracle. So I'm thriving. I love my life. I love my work. I'm insanely passionate about what I do. And I love life. (laughs) I love that, man. I think the most beautiful thing, what I'm taking away from hearing you say, knowing your backstory and whatnot, and we'll bring everyone up to speed, is that change is possible. Beyond change. Yeah. Anything is possible anything is possible. You could be in the deepest, darkest hellhole and you can completely reverse it in this lifetime. And you can actually do it in not that long. So let me ask you this, knowing what you've experienced, right? And I believe 2013, is that the year where things were trending in a direction that you weren't happy with? If Joshua of 2013 was the one sitting across from you right now interviewing you, what would you say to him? Well, In 2013 was just the start of it all. So he wasn't quite as worried about maybe a better person to talk to would be like Josh of 2015 when he was just deep, deep in the trenches. And I would say in three years, you're going to be speaking on a stage to 400 people about your story. You're going to be making five times as much money than you ever made at Microsoft or the other companies you worked for doing what you love every single day. You're going to be married to this amazing woman. You're going to love your life. You're going to cure your depression. You're going to cure your anxiety. Like keep fucking going. <laughs> That's what mm. I would tell him. That's now, what, what if he him. didn't believe that? He would not have believed it. There was zero, there'd be 0% chance he would believe he would have believed me. And I just would have laughed. I just would have looked at him and laughed. So you would have laughed. You know what's interesting? I heard an interview that you were on where you were in the jungle, one of your numerous times in the jungle. I believe it was either your second or third time. And you had mentioned that the people that you were surrounded with were laughing at you when you were speaking in Spanish to them, telling them that, hey, like, Things are not good, like not good. They were laughing at you. Is there any correlation between you laughing at the disbelief of Joshua of 2015 and what you received while in the jungle? Well, what I've discovered about life is that when times are at their worst, laughter is the best medicine, right? Okay. So when when things, when all the cards are stacked against you, when everything is just seemingly fucked, laughter is deep, deep medicine. I mean, there's nowhere else to go, right? You're either going to cry or you're going to laugh. And so the laughter that the shamans, they taught me something important. You know, they really taught me something important when they laughed at me. I would basically tell them, I think I'm dying. It's really, really bad. And they knew it was. I mean, they held a very serious spiritual line for me, but they also laughed at the whole thing because, hey, whatever happens, happens. (laughs) How do we get to that point where we're just like, you know what, life, death, illness, this, that, the other, like, how do we just have that radical acceptance? I think when you face death time and time again, like the shamans do in their training and practice, like I did through my illness, you never, death is always something real and serious and, you know, scary, but you realize that laughter is like, is a very powerful place to go. It lifts the tension. You know, there's Mm. countless stories about people in the Holocaust, people in dire situations who just laugh together because see the you have to keep your spirit alive through the most difficult of situations. You have to keep your spirit alive and the spirit laughs. You know, Samuel Sagan, who's a man who I, he's passed away now, but I followed his work very closely. I still do follow his work. You know, he says, when things are at their worst, a man of thunder laughs, right? And so, and also where there can be no laughter, there can be no spirit is another thing mm-hmm. he used to say. So, so laughter is powerful medicine. And the way we get there is simply by facing ourselves time and time again. Absolutely. Now, I'm sure you've said this 
millions of times, if not potentially more, your story. I want to bring everyone up to speed. Now, I know it from the numerous interviews I've watched. I mean, dude, world champion in numerous different regards, turbulence, high waves of, you know, having to surf them. I'm curious, in your own words, to bring everyone up to speed, tell us about the story. Sure, sure. You want the one minute version, five minute version, 10 minute version? (laughs) The ball's in your court. You tell me. Okay. So 2013, I was Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. I won the world championships in 2010. I won the Pan American championships in 2012. I won Abu Dhabi trials in 2013. I was on the track to being a world-class black belt in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, right? And I loved it. And I was also working in corporate America. I like full-time work, full-time Jiu-Jitsu, like double life, just crushing every arena of life, right? Doing really, really well. And October, 2013, there was a two-week period of time where I went from like that person to literally feeling like my brain started to fracture and Mm. feeling like I was beginning to take acid every single day without taking any drugs. And so my consciousness started splitting and I would literally hear like five, six, 10 different voices inside of my head instead of like the one narrative. You know, life had always been for me a very consistent experience of my own brain, right? Like I would have conversations with myself and I went through my day with a particular way of going through life, particular inner narration, that inner narration began to change dramatically from like second to second, day to day, minute to minute. It was just like all fracturing and changing and, and, you know, really like drugs, like serious hallucinogenic drugs, but I wasn't taking anything. And that of course spiraled into despair, depression, panic attacks, confusion, and it just kept getting worse and worse and worse. And, you know, it got to the point where where I was literally in agony every single day. I wasn't able to sleep. I was having suicidal depression, panic attacks. I mean, panic attacks where like I would literally like call my family crying, not able to breathe, like gasping for air. I'm, I'm dying. I'm dying. It's all, I don't know what's happening to me. And this could happen, you know, four or five times a day that kind of experience, right? And so the first route is I went on psychiatric drugs and I did tried that route for about four months. It wasn't the right path for me. I felt very numb and I didn't feel resolved. Some things got worse, some things got better, but ultimately I was just very numb. And then I actually went to the Amazon jungle to drink ayahuasca. And I ended up over the next year and a half going back to the Amazon three times and drinking ayahuasca 31 times. And during that process, I was also fasting a lot, yoga, meditations, mantras, all kinds of supplements, you know, purifying my body, doing some basic cleanses, really like biohacking, like anything I can get my hands on, spending every penny I had, going into massive, massive debt, maxing out all my credit cards, like doctors, really everything I could possibly do. And mushroom ceremonies, ketamine, injections, all different kinds of crazy stuff. And I basically, when I got to rock, rock, rock bottom was after three years of doing this sort of stuff and having no results, right? So I was 31 ayahuasca ceremonies deep and I was as worse as ever. I mean, I even did a dieta in the Amazon jungle in Kantamana, which is like this very deep remote part of the jungle where I was like, I'm already in a very remote area. And then I was like a two hour drive away from the airport and And then I was a half hour walk inside the jungle. Like I was as remote as as humanly possible and drinking ayahuasca three times a week and apprenticing with the shamans. And after about a month of that, I just said, I'm done. I can't keep doing this journey like this. Something is wrong. I'm either going to 
to take my own life or I'm just going to go into a, a mental hospital for the rest of my life. And so came home. This was after three, three and a half years of doing a lot of deep work, putting my every ounce of will into healing myself. And I was bad as ever. Panic attacks every single day, 30 pounds lighter, couldn't digest food, throwing up, fainting every single day, literally just getting up from a chair, I would faint and I'd wake up on the floor. I would see stars. This would happen like five times a day where I would pass out. Right. And it was just normal for me. I didn't tell anyone. It was just like, just normal. Right. Right. I mean, at a certain point I stopped working with people or doctors and I just took it on as a shamanic journey. So, you know, I was just, everything was just me and God, you know, I wasn't really like at a certain point, wasn't really in like in the Western world anymore. And so my last ditch effort was that I was going to go do Iboga, which is another hallucinogen in Africa. And I booked a flight to go to Africa. I paid a shaman four grand on a credit card. I had everything ready to go. And 48 hours, about 24, 48 hours from getting on that plane, which I believe would have killed me because that's how bad I was. I really believe Iboga would have, that experience would have killed me. I found out about mercury poisoning. I had heard of it before, but I never really truly gave it credence. And I found out about it on the story online by a woman named Connie Fox, who's an amazing, incredible woman. And when I read her story, I said, finally, finally, of all of the books, I read hundreds of books. I read all about shamanism, all about oppression, mental illness. Like This is the first thing that resonates with me. And I broke down in front of my family and I said, guys, I was about to go to Africa. Nobody knew. I was about to go to Africa. I finally figured out what's going on with me. I need help. I've used all of my money, all of my resources. And that was kind of a pivotal moment when I left the ayahuasca world and I began to dive deep into a detox protocol with heavy metals, with cleansing parasites, healing my liver, healing my gut, healing the mast cells. And I completely changed my life in six months and literally came back to earth, came back into my body, started to heal my brain, reverse this illness, this curse, if you will. And my life was forever changed. And seven months later, I was on stage speaking to 400 people and I, my business blew up. People started hiring me. I started helping tons of people. The results were extraordinary. And I had a career out of a four-year torturous situation. And I literally since then, which was you know, seven years ago that I've been doing this, I keep getting healthier, happier, and feeling younger. I already learned what it was like to grow old and die. There was a four-year period of time where I felt what it was like to be a 90-year-old man, to look out the window and look at the trees and be like, oh, if only I had the breath for that. You know, if only I had Mm. some life to live. It's been a good ride. You know, it's been a good ride, Josh. I felt like a 90-year-old man for four years, right? And so, I felt what it's like to grow old and die. And now, I'm Benjamin Button on on the way back. I love this, man. Firstly, I appreciate you bringing everyone up to speed because this is where this episode's about to really take off. We gave people a little bit of a taste, not knowing what the story was. Now they understand the journey in in that sense. So I appreciate you sharing that. First place I want to start And the reason I want to start here is because this is something I personally experienced and I'm overcoming holistically is panic. I'm curious to know if you remember your first panic attack. Oh, yeah. Yeah. The first time it happens. Yep. 
Yeah. So I was in my dad's office in uh, Brooklyn. I uh, know, sorry, Long Island City. And I was actually helping him with window replace. He owns a window replacement company. I was shooting this butyl, this butyl gun, which is like this black tar for this window replacement process. And I started to just get a little dizzy and I started to like, my mind started to go and I started to have really looping negative thoughts and I couldn't breathe. And I just literally just kept feeding itself, feeding itself to the point where I felt like I was dying. I'm someone who I've fought some of the toughest people on the planet. Like I've literally stood face to face with badass Brazilian jiu-jitsu people, guys that fight in the UFC. And I was relatively fearless like just like feeling like on top of the world, but yet my own mind would take me for a ride. And so the only way I can describe a panic attack is like the feeling you get when you are about to miss a step like you miss a step on a staircase and you feel like you yep. may fall down the whole staircase. It's that feeling over and over and over again for sometimes an hour, two hours, three hours, an entire day. It's that split second that maybe you found out that your dog died or a God forbid, a family member died or like someone had a gun to your face. Like I've never had a gun to my face, but I imagine that feeling when that gun comes towards your face, the fight or flight, um, it's, it's like that, but it stays there. It stays there and for hours and you're trying to think your way out of it and no, it's okay. It's okay. It's okay. But the gun is in your face and <laughs> there's nothing you can do. So yeah, no, I, I get it wholeheartedly. I totally understand. I'm curious though, the first time you experienced that in your father's office, did you know what was happening? No idea. No, no, no idea, idea. Right. Yeah. 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 I mean, even after years of experiencing panic attacks, it's not like I could just think, oh, this is another panic attack. Calm down, Josh. They're so intense yeah. that they take you all the way. They yeah. take you all the way. It's again, another, oh, fuck, I'm dying. Oh my God, it's cancer. Oh my God, I'm going to die. I'm tomorrow. I'm dead. Like it's, it's not, <laughs> it's not something you can just be like, oh, it's another panic attack. Calm down. Otherwise it wouldn't be a panic attack. <laughs> I a hundred percent get that. There's people, I mean, what I'm overcoming is holistically just like yourself and not a fan of medicine. For me personally, I, I never judge anyone that does take it. But you know, the communities that I've seen online, they shine light on getting to a point where you accept those moments. And I said to myself, I don't know if I'll ever get to the point where I accept a panic attack. Granted, I haven't had one in God knows how long, but still, dude, I mean, it's fucking rough. It's definitely rough. So I appreciate you sharing that. You did mention fighting. So I need to ask you this. What has led you and potentially I'm just too in the dark here to know this, but what has led you to not go back to fighting? Uh, I had a back injury. After a year of coming out of mercury poisoning, getting my mind back, healing my mind, coming back to myself again, I was in a great place. I was skateboarding and had a, a herniated my disc skateboarding. And so I was doing jujitsu at that point in time, actually. I was training again, herniated my disc, trained maybe once or twice since then. It's something that I don't want. I choose not to do it because my disc is so sensitive that it's not worth it for me to possibly throw. I've done so much work putting that back into place and I've done tons of spinal work and yoga and postures. And after my mind broke, my back kind of broke, back, right? Yeah. And that was all related. It was just four years. To give you an idea of what I've gone through, I actually just wrote a post about this uh, that I'll release soon. My teeth, when I go to dentist office, I've been to like three 
in the last uh, year. They all tell me that I have a teeth of a 70-year-old man, right? And it's because I've grinded my teeth so intensely through my four-year mm. illness that they're all now down to the dentin, you know? They're all like the enamel's gone. They're all like yellow on the tops of the teeth, but not yellow from stains, yellow from I've grinded them, right? So all of that, it just fried my system and it's all connected, right? The spine. And so my spine was on its way out and then the skateboarding injury was the final thing. And then I had to like put my spine back together and learn how to walk properly, learn how to have the right posture and relearn how to live in every way, in every way, mentally, physically, emotionally, I had to relearn what is healthy because I had been trained the wrong way for everything. Mentally, physically, spiritually, emotionally, I was trained the wrong blueprints for how to live. I mean, we're not even taught how to pick things up. We're not taught how to walk properly. We're not taught what shoes to wear. You know, We're not taught anything about what's actually healthy for a spine. We sit in a chair from the time we're in, you know, in kindergarten, we're sitting in a chair for eight hours a day without any understanding of what muscle should be activated. How should we sit? How should our neck be? How should we breathe? You know, it's and so I had to learn all of that myself through injury and illness. So in regards to blueprints, you just mentioned it. We're not taught the right blueprints, and I wholeheartedly agree with that. Right? We're taught what our parents know, our teachers know. This we're, we're conditioned. Right? It, it gets passed down. What are the right blueprints? Yeah. I don't know the right ones for everybody, but I'll tell you the right ones for me, right? And for the right ones for the people who resonate with me. So, you know, should I go across every arena, I guess, physically, mentally? Emotionally, spiritually. Absolutely. Yeah. Sure. So when it comes to, you know, health, we're we're not eating good food. Okay. So most people are eating processed foods, refined foods. We have no understanding of the, where the food comes from. It's lo- We're loading up with sugar, loading up with all kinds of chemicals and toxins. And so most people don't understand that like Pop-Tarts or like Cheerios is killing you, right? Mm-hmm. This is what this is the kinds of foods that if you look at a standard American house, it's just normal. Let's eat pop. Mom, can I make the pop tarts? Like, and you know, it's the parents are just simply loving their children and giving them breakfast, but they're actually feeding them poison, yeah. right? And so, blueprints when it comes to diet, we're eating wrong, right? Our water is completely fucked. You're in New York. The tap water in New York is unbelievably bad. I mean, pharmaceutical drugs in that tap water, chlorine, fluoride, all kinds of heavy metals. It's viruses, bacteria. It's terrible, right? It's poison. And so all of that is on a physical level, right? What I teach is just about how to remove toxins from the diet. And all of that is super, super important. How to remove poison like alcohol, you know, some dairy and gluten, all that stuff is not good right? So when it comes to like spinal and just simply movement and walking, that's a whole other arena. I'm not an expert in, but I've studied this thing called foundation training and functional patterns. And this stuff teaches you how to actually get your muscles firing again properly. I mean, I did 10 years of grappling and I never learned about how to actually have good posture, like how to actually biomechanically be in a position of strength where I'm not degrading my joints, degrading my my ligaments and my mm-hmm. my discs, right? And so people don't we don't we don't learn that in school, right? But there is techniques to, you know, strengthen the muscles around the spine so that your spine doesn't take so much pressure. There's techniques like this chair I'm sitting in, right? Like this is an amazing, amazing chair that, you know, goes in X, Y, and Z. So it rotates with you. So it's like an extension of your spine. So that sitting for long hours isn't damaging, right? You know, spiritually, emotionally, self-love. We don't love ourselves. When have we ever learned that we should love ourselves? 
No one has ever taught us that in any fucking school. Like, how is that the first thing you learn as you become 10, 11, 12 years old and you start getting hit with some negative emotions about life or your schoolmates and stuff like that, right? How is it not like, well, you just love yourself and everything mm-hmm. else comes after that, you know? And so many things. I mean, if I walked into a standard American house, I would just like, I would literally like gasp with how, with all the unhealthy habits, you know, the Wi-Fi, you know, people sleeping next to Wi-Fi routers, you know, electromagnetic radiation is terrible for the brain, terrible for your uh, sexual organs, right? And people have their kids sleeping five feet away from the router, right? With no understanding. And and so again, it, I would literally strip, and I do this for a living, I walk into a standard American house, I'm going to like strip the house from every single room of the chemicals, of the things that, you know, are unhealthy. And so it's endless what's wrong, <laughs> what the wrong blueprints are, are endless, the right ones, you know, that would be a whole podcast to talk about more of, but I hope that that's a good start. I'm sure. I'm curious to learn why your soul chose this path for you. Let me tune into that question for a second. Well, I really don't know. I don't have an exact answer, but I feel that the planet is in a difficult situation right now, right? And I feel that people are losing touch with soul. People are losing touch with their body, with their animal, with their chi. We're moving into this very high digital world, the cyber world, and we're losing something very precious. And I feel like I came down on this earth to help uh, restore that. I'm just one piece of the puzzle, one of hundreds of thousands or millions of people that are here for the awakening, you know, the mass awakening where we move towards being a spirit again. We move towards wholeness. We move towards awakening and having intuition and clarity and aliveness, you know, like like being an avatar almost. So to answer your question, I just feel I have what it takes to really shake up the this point. Yeah, the, the thing that I just mentioned about awakening. Yeah. yeah. It leads me to ask you, is there in your mind any possibility of coexistence between being connected mind, body, soul with the advancements we're seeing in the world technology-wise, so on and so forth? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. That's another thing that I teach and I learned from uh, Samuel Sagan from the Clairvision School, but there's something called astral and etheric. So other words would be digital and chi. And so what that means is, let's say the astral, if you look at you know the way a sailor used to navigate in an ocean, he would navigate with the clouds, the sky, his compass. He's very connected to the immediate environment of his. Nowadays, we're on Google Maps with our GPS or a, mm-hmm. a ship is going to have thousands of dollars of equipment to help help navigate, right? Predict the weather and all of that. The landscape is changing about how we're living, right? And so there's astral, which is the digital. New York is very astral, right? And I versus etheric, which would be like someplace like Kauai where I used to live, right? There's not a lot going on. It's very nature oriented. Neither is right nor wrong. It's about navigating and balancing both of those, right? If you get too astral and too digital and cyber, you know, illness is pretty much inevitable. If you're too etheric, you're not really plugged into anything cool or on the cutting edge or, you know, you could be bored. Right. I was bored in in Kauai. So the art is how to navigate both of those worlds and how to like 
there's an interface there of like, oh, you know, now it's time to cut out all this technology and go for a walk and go into the ocean, right? Oh, I'm getting a little bored. I need to plug into something cool and get excited about where the future is going. And so just a constant navigation. Now, is that more of a preference or is it larger than preference? I would say it's definitely larger than preference. I would say that it's, there's a, there's like a system inside that you have to listen to beyond your mind, beyond your Mm -hmm. mental preference. There's something inside that if you can feel it, you can understand that actually too much astrality is painful. Like it's actually painful to be on Zoom. If you're on Zoom call for six hours a day, it's pain. Like you can actually feel the pain in your system because it's, we're not designed to be that plugged in digitally, right? So, so it's beyond preference. I do feel like it's more about, you know, tuning into your body and feeling what is healthful for you. Absolutely. I know you've done a bunch of these. I have to ask you this. I don't know where you're going to take this conversation with it, but let it let it go anywhere. What's a question you wish more people would ask you? <laughs> I love that question. I've never thought about that. I mean, it's selfish. You know, if, if nothing comes up, we could obviously, you know, um, transition. And if, if it does pop back up, we could go to it. But I'm just always curious, like, what is something that you wished more people would ask you? And maybe, you know, that means it's something that you want to talk about more often. I don't know. Yeah. I don't have it right now. If you asked me that question, I wouldn't have an answer for it either. You know, it's not to ever stump anyone. It's just more so like, you know, me wanting to ensure that we're covering all of the bases. You know, I'll ask you that and I'm I'm glad because ultimately uh, the goal is impact. And I know that we're going to make an impact here. I'm going to ask you a question that was actually asked to me by an incredible gentleman. His name's Dr. Michael Gervais. He was on the show. He works with the Seattle Seahawks, essentially really revolutionizing their players, their program, led them to the Super Bowls and whatnot. He asked a really interesting in question, and you've probably given us an answer to it already, but I'm just curious to see where this goes. If I knew what Joshua knows, how would my life be different? Your water would be different. Your diet would be different. The supplements you take would be different. You'd be sticking suppositories up your ass, which are these basically when you take med- like herbs rectally, right? Because it goes straight into your liver, straight into your blood. It heals you. You probably wouldn't, I don't know exactly where you live, but it probably wouldn't be in the heart of New York City or somewhere where there's a lot of EMFs. You might have maybe that in, in different, maybe a different living situation. And can you say the question one more time? What would you feel or what would you know? Okay. So I have to ask you, if I knew what you know, how would my life be different? Well, I, can I be a little arrogant here? <laughs> Please do. Please do. Yeah, by I, all I means. Think, I, I think you'd be happier and healthier. I okay. think you'd be, I don't know. I don't know you personally. I don't know what situation you're in, but I think knowing what I know, you'd be happier, healthier, more vibrant. You'd love yourself. You would. Yeah. I feel like you're thriving already, right? But you'd be thriving even more. That's a possibility. Absolutely. A hundred percent. It leads me to ask you, where are we getting the most toxins from, right? I mean, we're, we're talking about the environment, the EMFs in New York City. We're talking about the water. We're talking about the food. Like, where do the most toxins come from? You might say across the board, but is there one specifically that really stands out? I think the worst of the worst toxins come from uh, seafood and mercury fillings. Yeah, mercury and aluminum are the worst toxins, mercury specifically. And so mercury fillings and seafood, especially large seafood, is definitely the biggest source of mercury. The water, for sure. All of the... Yeah, I would say that is the worst of it. Okay. Now, how do we start to make those changes, right? I mean, for example, 
is bottled water really better than tap water? Well, it depends what kind of bottled water. So bottled water has such a large range. There's like completely false bottled water that's just municipal water filled up into a bottle. Yeah. There's true spring water in a glass, you know, jars like Mountain Valley. And so the range is really large, but I like teaching people about water distillation. So you can buy a water distiller and distill the New York crappy tap water into this magical pure H2O in six hours time. And so distillation is incredible. And yeah, yeah. I mean, diet, right? So like removing the culprits, gluten, dairy, you know, alcohol, lectins, right? A lot of people have chronic inflammation from lectins, which are nuts, seeds, beans, grains. So when you cut that stuff out, the immune system resets. It's a miracle what happens to the gut. Gut healing, right? Taking gut healers like slippery elm, acacia fiber, collagen, glutamine, butyric acid. This stuff, aloe vera, just calms the inflammation down in the gut. When the inflammation is low in the gut, inflammation is low in the brain. Right? Absolutely. And binders, I mean, binders are like vacuums that grab onto toxins. These things are incredible. But really the basics is cleaning up your water. And then you asked actually, what are the biggest sources of toxins? It's also in the house, like um, chemicals that you put on your skin in the bathroom, toothpaste, dishwasher, you know, all of the different places, laundry detergents, all of the places that either touch your skin directly or touch things that touch your skin. Right. So getting all you do is switch over to a plant based alternative and it takes care of the job. That's another big source of toxicity. Absolutely. When you were going through the detoxification process in your life, when was it that you started to see the change? Like, was it after you switched your water? Was it after, you know, you did something specifically or was it built up over time? Definitely built up over time. So I did detox for many months or even maybe a year or more without really knowing about detox. I was doing like enemas, I was fasting and this stuff helped me connect to God. Like I did feel connected when I was in the Amazon jungle. I felt like I was lighter, right? Mm -hmm. And more vibrant, but I was still dealing with torturous mental activity. So I was getting healthier, right? But I was still being tortured. And it wasn't until I learned about specifically gut healing, binders, and heavy metals and parasites that I really started to make a shift. And it, you know, it's like it spirals, right? So it like goes up and spirals and comes down and goes up. It's not like an upwards linear journey, but yeah, the whole the last seven years has just been a spiral upwards. Absolutely. Talk to me about your relationship with God. Did that exist pre-2013? No, no, no I, I, I didn't. I didn't think about it. I didn't thought it was all me. You know, I thought life was just me. I didn't pray. I didn't ask God. I didn't value God. I didn't see it. I was arrogant. I was closed. I was in like a machismo, New Jersey wrestler, you know, fighter type character. And then when I got sick, I had to allow God into my life and God, universe, creator, whatever you want to call it, this frequency of energy that I realize is good, that is the other half of this dance, mm. you know? And so, yeah, as I got sick, I accepted that more and more and I began to pray more and more. And yeah, that has just been a huge part of my life is connecting, praying. Did you hold any anger towards God, the greater power, whomever, just based off of those experiences? Massive anger. Yeah, massive anger. There was many months in a row where I would 
I was just like deliberately saying like, fuck you, <laughs> you know, like whatever you are out there, like, fuck you. Like you gave me an impossible task. I've, I've given every ounce of every ounce of everything I have physically, mentally, spiritually, emotionally, financially, you've sucked me dry. And, and it's not like I'm making poor choices. Like I'm every single choice from the second I would wake up was to try and be in the light. You know, second I woke up, if I was lucky enough to sleep, I would just be like, I love you. I love you. I love you. Okay, let's choose the light today. Choose the light today. Every second of the day, right? I had to choose the light every single day, every single minute to survive. Absolutely. It leads me to ask you, kind of ties into what I had asked before, like, why did your soul choose this path for you? I mean, this is your divine path, right? God put you on that path for a specific reason, whether you believe you know that reason or not, would you have changed anything? No, no, not a thing. No question, not a thing. Yeah, through all the suffering, no, no changes. Zero changes. I, I, I feel so insanely connected to the suffering of other people. I feel I can jump into another person's body. I can read their thoughts. I can feel them. I can feel their heart. I can feel their emotions. I have a huge capacity for empathy because of the hell that I walked every single day for four years. These gifts that I have are special. They're sacred. I value them. And beyond any like pleasure or like power I get from them, it's that I know that they're helping, mm. right? So every time I help someone come out of hell, I literally am just like, I'm so fucking happy that I went through what I went through. Like it's, it's, this is the completion of how could I have ever did what I just did for that human being without having gone through what I've gone through. Mm. And so that happens every day, all the time, right? So I'm just reminded all the time of how, of how fortunate I am to have gone through that. Now, when you're picking up on people's energies and you're connecting with them on that level, what is it that you feel most from them? Like, what is it? I don't understand the question. I'm sorry. Yeah, like a commonality. Like if you are connecting with 10 people today and, you know, you're meeting people on a certain level, as you allude to, you're able to feel for them, their journey, their story. You're able to feel their energy. What is it that you pick up most from the people you're connecting with on that level? Like what's the standard emotion that most people have? It could be an emotion. It could be, yeah, something of that nature. Sure. If that's what it is. Well, I know I'm, I'm asking, I'm, I'm not sure uh, what, I'm still not sure the exact question, but I'll just answer it anyway. So, you know, a lot of people, many people come to me with, with pain, right? They've been mm. through a lot in their journey. They've been through a lot of suffering. There's actually something called like wetiko, right? Which is like a virus, collective virus that we're dealing with. I feel that on average, people are disconnected from their body disconnected from their soul. And there is a feeling of pain. There's a pain of being alive. There's a lostness. I'm not saying I'm perfectly found. I'm lost somewhere as well, right? We all are. <laughs> but sure. there is a lostness that I feel amongst the collective, a feeling of a lack of certainty inside of themselves, a lack of certain of their own voice, of their own authenticity, of their own expression. I can feel that people don't have connection to their personal power. Mm. Just that thing inside that knows, I feel a lot of people are hungry and yearning for that. So that's really what I'm feeling a lot on the planet. It all boils down to what we talked about today to come back to that. Or is there something else that we haven't shared just yet? 
That is the ultimate medicine is coming back to that internal knowingness of who you are, of getting rid of the conditioning, right? I remember when I was drinking ayahuasca, I would purge years of conditioning. Like, wait a minute, that's not true. Like, it's not true that you have to hate yourself. Oh my God. Like, I thought that was truth, right? So there, there is a purging of the conditioning and choosing you right? How would you speak if you didn't have conditioning? How would you act? How would your boundaries be if you didn't have to be nice all the time, right? Most people are convinced that they have to be nice all the time, right? But that's bullshit. What, who are you authentically, right? And that is gold to find. And it's something that no one can take away from you. So that, that's what it's, that's the whole point of detox is to strip away the BS and connect to that inner, you know, that inner child, the yeah. inner soul, those parts that had knowingness, you know, we had this deep knowingness when we were younger. We had awe and wonder for the world, right? But all of that's gone in most adults. So how do we come back to that awe and wonder? You just brought something to my attention. Detox isn't necessarily just what we're putting into ourselves or what we're around. It's the emotional side of things too. It's the emotional side of things too. I love that. I'm going to ask you two more questions, Joshua. You make it to whatever year you want to live to in life. You accomplish all you want to accomplish. You impact as many people, but you can only be remembered for one piece of advice. What is that one piece of advice? I'm stuck between two right now. I'm going to give you both. <laughs> Let's do both. Let's do both. Okay. So one would be to cleanse and purify every organ if you want a long, happy, and healthy life. Mm. Okay. I'll just keep it super simple like that. The other thing would be to find your primal power inside and choose your truth over anything else in every situation. I love that. That's powerful. I would go down the rabbit hole on both of those, but I want to make sure that we're getting everything in here. I want to take this opportunity to let everyone know that's tuned into this, that your website, socials, all of that good stuff will be in the show notes. But is there anything specific that we should let people know about? No, uh, no. Everything I got is on my website and my Instagram. You can check me out. Um, Instagram is my biggest, like my main thing that I use right now. And now I'm just happy to have talked to you. I love that. I'm going to ask you this last question. This is the first time I'm doing this. We've been podcasting for five years. I've never once done this before. You are the first person. So you could uh, put the stake in the ground and claim it as yours. But I want to try something new. Without knowing the next person that's on this show, I would like for you to pass on a question to them. So essentially what I'm getting at is, would you mind sharing a question that we can ask our next guest and start building some momentum at the end of every show like that. Okay. Can I have a moment to think about that? Absolutely. A hundred percent. Again, I don't even know who the next guest is coming on after. Like our schedule is, is rather vast. I could look at it, but I don't want to give anything away. So I'm curious. I mean, this is maybe a little out there. Let's, I'm just going to go with the flow here. So are, you can ask them, are you putting on a performance for this show or are you being fully, truly authentic and real? Mm, I appreciate that question. Yeah. Are you in a car? And that's not the question to you. It's a question to them, right? Are you in a character or do you feel fully authentic and real? Do you want to be here? Or do you really want to be here right now talking to me? Or are you doing this from some sort of obligation or feeling like you should be here? That is going to get deep. I'm going to have to, I'm going to have to pump up the balls to ask that question. <laughs> Yeah, there you go. There you go. No, I appreciate that, man. Joshua, thank you so much for this opportunity, expressing gratitude to you. I mean, there's there's a lot to walk away from this episode with. I mean, just daily life stuff. And then furthermore, obviously, the spiritual side of things. A couple of the questions that I ask you are some things that I need to ponder on too. So I just wanted to say thank you for joining us. Thank you for adding value to the show. I'm very grateful for it. Thank you so much, man.
You have just tuned into the Decoding Success podcast, episode number 280, featuring our friend Joshua Mason as we discuss the miraculous change he made in his life after numerous years of suffering, which seemed to get deeper and deeper into the dark abyss no matter what he was doing. The change he made is possible for you too. Maybe his story doesn't necessarily align 100% with your life experiences, but the premise of this show, this episode, is to showcase that change is possible, period. You can check out Joshua and his work in the show notes of this episode. Being that you tuned in, if you want to show Joshua some love, head over to my Instagram page. You could check out our most recent post, which was promoting this episode, a quick little clip. Give him some love in the comments section. I'm beyond positive he would love to hear from you. And I'm going to give you a reminder. There's someone in your life who is in that dark place, literally right now. There's someone in your life who is silently battling. Maybe it's the person you would least expect it to be. There is someone in your life, maybe it's you, who needs to hear this or needs to in a future tense. So make sure you are circulating this episode with those near and far. Always here to show love and say thank you on social media. If you share it there, just make sure to tag me so that I can see it. And until next time, everyone, be blessed. Peace.